right, you ready to rock? Let's do it. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for uh, checking out another episode of the podcast. It's episode eight, and uh, I'll be doing the November shows. But first, I have another guest for the podcast, my good friend, Lisa Mons. Welcome, hello. Lisa. Hello. <laughs> so hopefully she knows what she's in for. I All think right? I can handle it. <laughs> All right, so we'll start off. What got you into concerts? What got you into music? Because I know you're an awesome music fan and concert player. Well, I was very fortunate growing up. My brothers had massive, massive album collections. Uh, growing up in the 80s in Southwest Virginia, we didn't have much else but to enjoy our, our, our albums, our movies, all the pop culture of the 80s. So I got to experience uh, the rock albums, my favorite, Kiss, ACDC. And as a small child, you're just obsessed with the album covers, like, what is this? What is going on here? I need to know more about this. Kiss, what is this makeup? What are these costumes? What are they doing? And that kind of got me intrigued with music in general. Growing up, listening to a lot of country music that my father listened to on our giant record player that I could barely lift the lid to to put the albums on, did listen to George Jones, uh, Hank Williams. So just being introduced to lots of different types of music in the 80s, which was such a great, great era for music anyway. And um, of course, my first opportunity to see live music, I had to go do that. So I, I, I've been a fan for a really long time. My first show was a country show. As a, uh, I was probably 10 and uh, saw, who was it? Exile? I think it was. That's <laughs> a band? I don't know. Yes, that. you don't remember these old, this, it, it was a country band in the 80s. <laughs> I think that was my first show. It's a small child. So, and then later, of course, uh, getting to see the rock bands in the 80s. And so, uh, living in Nashville, I got to see a lot of great shows in Knoxville, but I've been a fan my whole life. That's awesome. I'm pretty much the same way. My siblings got me into it. And so the record player we had in our living room was like the TV. It was an entire piece of furniture. Exactly. Yes, it's the same one. <laughs> you reached down into it. Took, it had the sliding top. So during family parties, it was a drink holder. And then the top slid open. You play a record or turn on the radio. Yeah, this thing was massive. <laughs> and I really did. I have a hard time. I could barely lift the lid on it. It was so huge. But I spent many, many days sitting with, and I couldn't turn the music up very loud. So I would just sit with my ear to the speaker and listen to my album. <laughs> it brought me so much comfort and joy. So funny about Kiss. I got into Kiss when I was in grade school. And I love Destroyer. Remember that album? With it? Exactly. It's like the classic. Yes, yes. Just like I used to draw that on like every book cover. You know the paper book covers you make. Yes. I drew the Kiss logo or like their faces. Of course. Everything. Rock and, and roll over. That was the one that I remember. As a and my kid. mom so actually, my mom for my birthday actually bought me Destroyer. I don't know what got into that Irish Catholic woman to buy me a Kiss album. Because <laughs> at that time, everybody thought they were uh, Satanists. Uh, don't you know it means rights and Satan's service? service. <laughs> my mother refused to buy me the Kiss doll that I begged for one day at uh, Kmart, I believe it was. <laughs> now, do you ever get to, I've never seen them. Oh, yes. I, was, I saw them with and without the makeup. So, yes, I got to see them. Oh, I think wow. the first time I saw them was probably 90 Without the makeup, I think it was 90 or 91. So Peter, Chris, and Ace Farrellian? Good question. Ace, definitely, yes. Yeah. Peter, Chris? 
I think he was still, I think this was before he really went downhill. I think he was still performing with the maybe 90. So since maybe. I've never seen Kiss, and Peter Chris out of the band, who sings Beth? Is it the replacement drummer? Or does Paul Stanley sing Beth? Or do they not do it? <laughs> well, I saw them again with the makeup on years later, like 2002 or something like that. And I honestly don't remember who sang that. That is such an awesome song. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah. I think Paul song. Stanley could pull it off. If anybody could do it, I think Paul Stanley could, but I'm not really sure who did it. So, in Tennessee, so let's talk about what were your, like when you were young, high school, college, young adult, like what were your favorite venues to go to? Where'd you see a bunch of shows at? Uh, as I said, I was from very remote southwest Virginia. We had to drive to the Tri Cities, Johnson City, Kingsport, Bristol. That's right there on the Tennessee Virginia border. And Freedom Hall in Johnson City was where we ended up seeing most of our like hair band shows. But like, I also like forced my brother. Center? It was like a civic center, yeah, yeah. exactly. It was a I don't know, probably had like ten thousand people or something. Maybe more than that, I'm not sure. I also convinced my older brother to drive us to a few shows in uh, Lexington, Louisville, Knoxville. Like this was like we had to drive hours to get to Civilization, but that's how that's how determined we were to get to these shows. That's awesome. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. I remember definitely. Um, ACDC in Lexington, uh, ACDC and LA Guns, wonderful show. Yeah. I gotta love the LA Guns. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. No, we did. We most of the shows were in Johnson City, though. And that was really fun because yeah. it, it was a smaller, like I said, it was a smaller venue. Yeah. All the hair bands were there, Poison, Tesla. Except for a small town like that, that must have just been awesome those bands came through because it was like the happening. You know, like, like we had to know, but we were yeah. no we had to drive hours to get to these shows. It was a big because we were so far away from them. Yeah. No, it was a, it was a big deal. Like and I would have to beg my brother to take us there. I will give you gas money, yeah. I will do this and that, like please, please, please. I'll buy your ticket. Let's go to the show. It was our only source of entertainment. Yeah. There was no entertainment. Because growing up in Springfield, Springfield Civic Center got a ton of shows. Like the Stones broke up. Yeah. And then Hartford was only a half hour away. And then when I was in high school, Worcester was 45 minutes away. They opened up a bigger civic center. So that's where the show started. Going. And then Boston was only an hour and a half. So I had all sorts of choices. So many choices. Yes, no, we would have to drive like two, three hours usually to get to. It was, it was two and a half hours to Johnson City. It would be four hours to Lexington, five hours to Louisville, something like that. It was like, it was an event. It was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a big deal. So. Yeah. That's what it took. So we became friends through your job. And so eventually I figured out how much cool music you listen to and that you like. Yeah, and then we got to talk about music and train stories and stuff. And I was at a Kings of Leon show out to the amphitheater. And I texted you because they played some song or whatever. And you were like, oh, I saw them. And they were just coming up. Exactly. <laughs> They're from Tennessee, living in Nashville. They're from somewhere else out of Nashville. And I was fortunate enough to see them when I lived there 15 years ago. And they just played small venues. Saw them at Exit Inn, which is kind of an iconic venue in Nashville. It has been there for decades, and, and so many artists. They, if you go into Exit Inn, they have 
like these uh, tiles on the wall that has the name of like every artist that's been there, and it's and it's everyone. It's, it's anyone you can think of. It's very iconic. Got to see them there. It's a small room. Twelfth and Porter, even smaller room. I got to see them there, so it's it's one of those things that I refuse to go to see them at the arena because I was fortunate enough to see them in a smaller venue. I don't want to pay the big bucks to go see them in some gigantic arena, you know. So that's awesome. So my thing with Kings that I I was living in Boston at the time when my first album came out, and they had those first couple of big hits, and they scheduled their tour before they had their hits. So they played the small club, the Paradise like under a thousand people uh, I didn't know them before there were hits but my buddy did and he's like dude this band's coming I got tickets they already sold out we're going so I'm like alright and then their hits came out I'm like oh it's going to be an awesome show Chicks at Kings of Leon. oh yeah oh my god <laughs> I was like I go not only do they sound awesome because they were like great rock and roll band it was like 60-70% winning at that show. I was the supermodels, too. So, yes, the ladies love them. It's like going to a country music show these days. Nothing but ladies. <laughs> <laughs> the, the young girls love the Luke Bryan show. Ugh, I, don't get, I don't get it, but everybody loves so them. Yeah, for sure, at the Kings of Leon, it was definitely like that. So then the other thing, we're getting sidetracked already, which is awesome. But, so with, you know, like, especially with indie rock and, like, the current generations, the hipsters, like people who like don't, they, they always know the unknown band. You know, they wear the t-shirt of the band that nobody else knows and they feel cool with knowing that. It's like, I always think when record stores used to exist, it was the record store employee, you know, who would like judge you by what you brought up to buy or sure. whatever. So I've never been one where like I found out a bit about a band young, you know, when they were coming up and I don't, I want them to get bigger, you know, because like I knew about them before and I don't want to share them. I've never right. been one of those but there are a couple bands I got to see when they were small and as I don't want to see them in a arena I got to see Avid Brothers in a coffee house in Northampton Massachusetts 100 150 seats they filled it I went just because of the description of the band I didn't hear anything and but it was the second time they played there and like over half the house had seen them the first time everybody knew everybody right. and was singing along and they had such an energetic awesome show they came back in a couple months on the same coffee house, and then they moved to the club in town, which is probably like just under a thousand. They sold that out, and now they play arenas. I won't go see them. I there, like since that, I saw them when the it was just example. when it was just the three guys, so like before they added the cello and the drums and stuff. Exactly. I don't want to see them in fifteen thousand seats. Well, and and now that you mention it, we, we know that you know. Um, Sturgill Simpson and Tyler Childers are coming to town next year playing Spectrum. I, I haven't texted you about this. I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about them playing the arena. I really wanted to go to that show, but the fact that they're playing the arena is really turning me off. I, I don't like that. So I got to see him at Bank, Metro, whatever. The amphitheater. The I saw him, the first time I saw him, he opened up for Old Crow. Yes. So, like, I didn't want to go. Aaron's gotten into Sturgeon late, uh, later. You know Aaron. So he, but he's a snob about uh, Spectrum Center. He's got us in the lower bowl. And uh, he's got Polter Wall. And I haven't seen Polter Wall yet. So I'm like, all right, I'll go to the show. Dude, lower bowl, 125 bucks. For Sturgill Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's, it's, it's going to get higher than that because Tyler Childers is coming to the Fillmore in a couple of weeks, and I'm, 
and I wanted to see that. I'm thinking about going to that one. You're going to pay the same amount as you would to go see them in the arena, but you're going to see them in a better, smaller venue. I mean, it's just Tyler, but still. I, I, it bothers me when they said that they oh, were he's together. He's with Tyler Childers, not Tyler Childers is opening for Sturgill. Yeah, it's not a full Childers. At the arena. Yeah, at right the right. arena. Yeah. But he's playing a solo show here in a couple of weeks. <laughs> and I am. I'm tempted to go to that. You're going to pay the same amount. Yeah. The tickets are already like, like you said, like a hundred. They're like a hundred fifty bucks. Okay? Yeah. I and, no more, and I want to. Which is so ridiculous. Don't get me started on the price of the concert tickets. <laughs> They're outraged. Because <laughs> Sturgill's also coming to. Asheville, and that Civic Center is smaller. Yeah. But he sold out the first night, and I think they sold out the second night too. Yeah, they added. Which Asheville is more his town. Yeah, they yeah. added an additional night, and I think it did sell out too. So. Yeah, because I got I got an email from the bands in town app saying Sturgill's coming, and it just listed the cities. And I was like, well, where's he going to play? He can't play Fillmore. And I always forget about Bojangles. He could play Bojangles. Yeah, and I'm like, and I'm like, rather. I'm like, he can't play Spectrum, but he hasn't sold out Spectrum. There's, there's tickets available. It's, it's, you know, and he may sell it out. And I mean, good for him if he does. But it's, it's not even just about can we fill it full of people? Can we fill this arena full of sound? Can we fill this? Like, can we make it like, I, I, I don't know. And, and now, now Sturgeon's more, he has a bigger sound. I mean, Teller Childers is a great, I, I love his very folky, you know, homegrown sound. Don't know if it's going to fill up the arena. What's he going to be like that? You know, like, yeah. I, I don't know. Just because you can sell that many tickets, I mean, do you really have to? Like, I just don't like going to those big. And you pay to, and you pay more. Tickets are going to be more. Here's Elton John, perfect example. The Elton John tickets at Spectrum were ridiculous. Three hundred dollars for the the obstructed uh, view seat. <laughs> We're recording the podcast at uh, Libretto's in Ballantyne, and uh, Rocket Man is on the jukebox. So that's how we transitioned to Elton John. But we were talking, we were talking about the concert before we started recording. And as you guys know, listening to the show, that was my first album, Elton John Greatest Hits, and I haven't, I've never seen him, and I wouldn't pay enough to see him. Maybe Greensboro. Yeah, maybe Greensboro. The, as usual, the farewell tour continues. <laughs> He's doing this two-year farewell tour, luckily for us. It's going to take him about two years to do it, so we may get to see him when he comes back around next year. So, Yeah, don't get me started on ticket prices. I paid $250 to go see Dead & Company this year, and I hated every moment of paying that. <laughs> Loved the show. Just cannot get overpaid. I should have got a, t- a date with John Mayer for that. $250? <laughs> give me a date with John Mayer. Like, I cannot believe I paid that. But I can't let them come to town and not see them. Because, you know, yeah. I got to go to my first dead show in 92. And uh, luckily, we got to see Jerry. You yeah. know, So it was, it was a great thing. I've been doing that for a really long time. So any incarnation that comes around of the dead, I, I do want to see it. You know, Rat Dog, I saw Bob Weir and Bob Wasserman. That was very fun. Saw them when they were just the dead with Warren Haynes. That was a great show. What's Didn't been, get to see you in the further shows. Where's the further? That one. What's been your favorite incarnation? Post Jerry. Post Jerry. Um, I'm enjoying the, the, the Johnny Mayer and the, and the you know the Dead Company. I, I was very skeptical at first, yeah. and then you go see him play, and he, he he's a phenom on the guitar. He, he is. can definitely and play he can the guitar. Sing it too. And he can sing. 
Uh, he's like sexy Jerry. He's just sexy Jerry. He's doing a really great job, and it's fun because they're. I was disappointed uh, this year at PNC though because they paid so many repeat slots from the last time they were at PNC. I'm not a big fan of PNC either. It's too far away, you know. You know, getting a good seat and everything, paying, paying too much. Clearly, I'm paying too much. Not my favorite venue, but I had to go see them. And I saw them two years ago there, and they repeated five songs at least. And I'm like, for this price, we should not be repeating any song. I want a whole new set list, you know. So that was a little disappointing. They did. They played Eyes of the World. They played, um, I can't even remember all of them now. But they repeated it like five songs. They were like, come on, man. <laughs> we heard this last song. You have a huge repertoire. <laughs> so many songs to pull from. You don't have to repeat yourself. You know? No, do you ever get to see Phil and Friends? That was my favorite. I haven't seen Phil and Friends. Yeah, when he had Warren with him, Jimmy Harry. Yeah, that was Ooh, awesome. yeah, that would be really yeah, that, that was a really yeah. good incarnation. That sounds really good. Well, missed, missed Phil and Friends. Did like Bob Weir and Red Dog. Red Dog was really That's a good. fun show. Wasserman's awesome. Was so he was so good. Yeah. I got to meet him. That was a great... I met Waterman after the show in Knoxville. We saw him at the Tennessee Theater years ago. Probably like 99, 98 or 99. Bobby comes out back. We're standing like back where the buses are and I'm chatting him up. Here comes Bobby with a little entourage of females. <laughs> He's the, he was always the he cute was, one in the band. He had an entourage of females. They get on the bus and I had this... This um, it was a book that I got cookies? on Dead Tour. No, 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 no. <laughs> I bought a book that I purchased on Dead Tour in like early nineties. It was a, a lyric book. That before the interwebs could make it so convenient for you to pull up all of the lyrics for every Grateful Dead song. Someone hand typed yeah. all the lyrics, stapled it together, made a book. I took it to the show and I, I told Wasserman, I was like, please, 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 can you get Bobby to sign this for me? And he did. Oh, he took it on the bus man. and got Bobby to sign this. And he said he, he thought it was so cool. He was looking through the book and was like, yeah. wow, check this out. It's got everything in it. It did. It had like so many songs. That is probably my most, you know, cherished piece of memorabilia. And I have a few. That one's Anything with Bobby's signature on it is pretty special. So That's such a deadhead thing, too. Such a deadhead thing. <laughs> The first first time I saw the dead was in Boston, and I was living down there. And the day after the show, I didn't know about. It. I lived in Cambridge, and Harvard has a co-op store. They call it the Coop, and it used to be an awesome music store. All sorts of posters and everything. And I walk, I didn't go to the show with my girlfriend. I went a friend from college. But the next day, we we're walking around Harvard Square, and we go into the Coop. There's all these deadheads in there. I'm like, like people just hanging out in here, like you know, because the dead were playing like two. Was it like '93? Bobby Weir was signing books. That's why they were all in there. Because I was, and it, like, and it was too late for me to get in line. Uh, <laughs> My girlfriend would not have <laughs> Well, I waited for Bobby Weir autograph. So we went shopping in the store, and when we, it's like three stories, and when we came down the escalator, he was sitting there signing books. And I was like, awesome show last night. <laughs> Yeah, we went up to Boston for one of the runs, and I want to say it was like 93. Yeah, I saw I saw 93 and 94 shows. I still have my t-shirt from 94 because it was the t-shirt that looks like the Bruins jersey, you know, yeah. my Bruins fan. And so the B, they had the dancing band. <laughs> yeah, we had a little, um, there, there, there was some drama at our Boston show, so we didn't get in. 
A little bit of drama so we couldn't make the show. But we got to experience, there was no parking lot because it's in downtown Boston at the Garden. So any other show, you go to like RFK or everywhere else we went, there's a huge parking lot thing. Here in downtown major metropolitan area, there's no massive parking lot for everyone to camp in. So everyone was just camped on the street. Yep. People were on the street I remember, I, remember, I remember the buses parked yeah. on, because that's Causeway Street outside the Garden. Right. And I remember like the tie-dyed buses being parked on Causeway Street. But everybody was, like, on the sidewalk, selling their crystals, selling their tie-dye, their veggie burritos, whatever. And at one point, the cops came through on bikes and was, like, running everybody off the sidewalk. Things got a little crazy, so then everyone... Boston cops don't play. (laughs) Too many many Mercs and Sullys. (laughs) All the the deadheads came together one day and started parading down the street and someone had a guitar in the front and was playing. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Like everybody singing along to like this giant hippie parade right by the garden. It was so cool. Like, really, really fun there. Right? That's awesome. Really Northeast cool. is a stronghold for the dead. Yeah, that was the only time I ever went. The only time I've ever been to Boston. That <laughs> <laughs> was a fun one though. Oh, Mr. Dead shows. We went to. It's funny when people say, if you remember Dead Tour, you weren't there, because it's kind of true. It was a long time ago, too, though. It's hard, yeah. to, hard to, you know, piece all those, you know, put all those pieces together. It, it was funny. The year after Jerry died, they did a summer tours of a festival. I think at that point they were calling themselves further. I forget what they called that version of the band, but it was Everybody Minus Jerry. Right. And uh, I went with two friends of mine that met on Dead Tour, and they saw, I only saw the Dead twice. They saw me. Over under times, right. you know, and we went to Saratoga. Foreigners and a whole bunch of us went, and it was disgustingly hot day, high nineties. And there was like a couple bands before them. Was, you know, so you were there like all day. And water wasn't five bucks, but it was at that time the equivalent of five bucks. You know, it was a total rip off. And then the dead came out, and my friends that had seen them so many times were just so bummed out because there was no jail. They just couldn't deal with it. You know. They're like, it's not the same. <laughs> no, it isn't the same. But you should be happy with anything that we can get that's even remotely close to the experience that we used to be able to get from it, you know? It's not the same. Yeah. You know? And it's when I was just out in San Francisco, I went to the uh, to the hate to the Grateful Dead House. Oh, I've been there. But it's yep. very uh, it's kind of uh, they still anticlimactic. The, they still have the signs up about not leaving stuff. Well, no, they had a sign up that was like, beware a dog. It was a very oh. big like, sign to try to detour people like us. Uh, when I was there, I had a sign saying, don't leave stuff yeah. behind. No, there were no like offerings or anything. I didn't see anything like that. It was just kind of anticlimactic, really. Like, it's a big, it's like, okay, this is where it is, but then there's like, it's just somebody's house now, you know? No, it's Hyde <laughs> Ashbury. All commercial now. Is there anything hippieish left? No, it's still very, very hippie. It's kind yeah. of like a giant deck show. I mean, it's all just a bunch of head shops. Mostly what? head shops. Yeah, it's, legal. it's legal. It's right. Veggie. But I mean, they don't even sell their. I didn't see any dispensaries. Oh, okay. Just the head shops yeah. selling your, yeah. your gear. paraphernalia. Yeah. Gear. No dispensaries that I could see. But just the gear and the incense and the clothing and the lifestyle. The bookstore, there was a great bookstore. I bought some books. I bought a music book there. Um, the veggie, veggie restaurants. It's, it's like yeah. a giant dead shop. Oh, and I went, it's probably 12, 15 years ago now. A gap had just opened. 
and like yeah. and a Ben and Jerry's had opened and something else opened. Ben and Jerry's and, and, was there, and but people I didn't were see, all cranked off. About yeah, it. <laughs> I didn't see anything like commercial. So I didn't know if now it was like all commercial. I didn't see any like Starbucks or any kind of like chain, you know, the, except for the Ben and Jerry's. That Ben and Jerry's is still there, right yeah. there on the corner. Yeah. But it's kind of like, come on, it's been a Jerry. They're hippies. They fit in. They're not that commercialized, you know? Like, we can accept them. It was good. It was a really cool part of town. It was really fun going to the Fillmore and checking that off my bucket list. Yeah, so iconic places, because you've been to a lot of very cool venues. I've been to a spots. few. I still have a lot to check off my list, but I did get to see. I get to went to the Fox Theater in Atlanta this year. I haven't done that. It's, it, I want to do that, and I want to do the tabernacle, too. Beautiful. I, I want to go to the masquerade down there as well. Um, but you know, the Fox Theater is beautiful. It has this beautiful ceiling. It has, um, I, I, I don't even know. It, it's, the, the ceiling is painted. It looks like um, the sky. It's like a blue sky with like, buildings around it. This is really gives it this... Um, Alfresco feel you're indoors, but you look up and it's like, it's like you're in an outdoor theater or something. It's really, really cool. Oh, wow. And I thought Andrew Sinise there, who I'm obsessed with, and the revivalists, who were really, really fun too. So I got to check that one off and the Fillmore. But I still have so many. Next year, I'm going to go to the Beacon in New York. Oh, tons of shows there. You'll love it. And go see Jerry Seinfeld. Really? We're going to see Jerry. I'm taking my best wow. friend for her 40th birthday. We're going to go see Jerry Seinfeld at the beach. It's very cool. Yeah. And it's a cool little neighborhood around it, too. Yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah. I had such a New York thing to do, you yeah. know, and it's, it's my best friend's birthday. We've both been fans for, you know, since the 90s. So going to, I get to see the venue. We get to see Jerry, like, in the city. So it'll be super fun. Yeah, I went to a bunch of the, you know, the Almonds used to do the residency. Yeah. I got to see some of those. And then... The best villain from show I ever saw was there at the Beacon. They did a run, like, I think they did two weekends, and it was the year of 9-11. And they were playing, like, November, December. And uh, they played uh, Shakedown Street the night we went. Oh, my God, when I got to the part of Don't Tell Me City's Got No Heart, right. people were screaming the lyrics. Right. And, just oh, and, just dancing, and just dancing their asses off. Oh, and, I, and I still regret it that I didn't buy it, but they had uh, the concert t-shirts that tour. Well, not for that tour, but for that show, was uh, the Statue of Liberty in tie-dye with a tear. And I didn't buy it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I've always wanted to go there. When I was looking at all the, the various venues in the city that I could go see, the Beacon definitely had the best lineup as far as shows. Like, yeah. everybody it's an awesome playing place. there. It's a great place. I mean, there's like Webster Hall and there's Radio City and, you know, there's so many other iconic venues there, but that one is that's a great spot to go see music, so I'm excited. Jerry's doing a run there. He's doing a whole residency. He's playing for months, and we're just going to happen to go, like, the last weekend of his performance. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it'll be fun. That'll be great. And so, Nashville, you've been to the Ryman. Oh, yes. Been to the Ryman. I have not been to the Ryman. The Grand Ole Opry, the new, the new Opry. Been to the Ryman. Exit in the Bluebird Theater or the, the Bluebird Cafe, excuse me. Just, you know, you have to be very, very quiet when you go to the Bluebird. <laughs> um, gosh, what else? Those are like the biggest ones in Nashville. You know, what I haven't been to is uh, right here in the area is the Orange Field. I haven't been to the Orange Field. That's on my list. Yeah. I have to go to the Orange Field. It seems like when anybody plays the Orange Field, I really want to see a ton of people. Yeah. Which is a good thing. But you've been to Red Rocks? 
did, did that a couple of years ago. Did, did Bed Rocks, yep, definitely. I think that might have been when I figured out that we had a bunch of music in Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. I saw Ryan Adams. We were, that's, that's a whole other podcast right there. But <laughs> so Ryan Adams before his personal trouble at Red Rocks, and it was very special because it was my birthday, and I'm such I've been such a huge fan of his for so long yeah. that that was a really special show. So that was that's bad. amazing. And it was such a, and it was I mean, that venue is just as magical as you imagine it would be. Yeah, it's like my nephew's getting married out there this summer, and his mom, my sister, and his dad are both huge music fans of it. My brother-in-law's been out for shows. He saw David Byrne out there with his son. And my sister, my son, my, my son, my nephew's been in Denver like five, six years probably. And my sister hasn't gone to Red Rocks yet. So he's getting married in August. And I go, you know, I'm extending my trip either way, you know, depending who's playing. I'm like, I'm going to Red Rocks again. Because I went to a show with him out there, you know, when, first time I visited. I'm like, we're going to Red Rocks. Yeah, <laughs> it's something that you have to see. It's just gorgeous. Very special. Um, I also have like the Hollywood Bowl was on my list. The Caverns in Tennessee. I've never been to the Caverns. I think that would that, be that's really cool. I forget who it was. Somebody popped up on Facebook that they were going. It was somebody I wouldn't think would necessarily sell it out. Well, that could be a way to get in and go. But I looked it up. It's like a good six, seven hour ride away. It's, I think it is on the west side of Nashville. Yeah. I'm not sure. It's, it's, it's it was not, a long ride because yeah. I mapped it. I, mapped well, I mean, it. Nashville's a seven hour drive. That's why I always fly. The I drive fly. is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I fly. Yeah. But the caverns is on the list. I definitely want to see the caverns. And the gorge. I haven't been in the gorge. Yeah, yeah, I, I want to go to the gorge. gorge. Yeah. Trying to check them off one by one. It takes, it's going to take a while. Yeah, the port, I haven't done the Pacific Northwest, so that's why I really want to do the Gorge. That's like the part of the country I haven't been to that I really want to get to. I haven't either. Yeah. My, my nephew that's in Denver, he was looking at uh, post, post-grad post work up there, and I'm like, go. I'm like, then I can go, <laughs> go up to the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> I know, after my obsession with uh, the, the grunge, grunge music during the 90s, I can't believe I haven't been to Seattle. What is wrong with me? I wanted to go so bad but when I was a senior in high school. Your flannel tights and boots oh, on. Oh, come on. <laughs> like, like, I can't believe I never made it out there. That's all I wanted to do when I was 19. Was <laughs> now, we have different approaches to concerts. Part of it is we work opposite hours. I'm free at night, and you're busy a lot at night. Right. But you go to a few shows, but spend good money, get good seats, see who you really want to see and I go see a jillion shows but I miss out on some of the higher end shows you know because I don't want it to be the one concert I see for two months no I when I lived in Nashville I did you know the same thing that you do like because there are so many opportunities to see music there you don't have to pay a lot um you know if you know somebody you don't have to pay anything so I went to shows all the time, saw great bands uh, in small venues every week. I went to at least one or two shows a week. Yeah. Now it's definitely more of, well, there's a special artist that I haven't seen yet or a venue I haven't gone to yet. I'm going to make this a special occasion, drop way too much money and go do this because it's something a little more special yeah. instead of doing, I would love to go to a show twice a week. I wish yeah. I could, you know, but I work at night and so I can't really do that. Yeah, that was part of my thing with Sturgeon too, because I've seen them three or four times, and I'm like 125 bucks, and like a lot of the shows I go to are in that 
like 15 to 25 range. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's like five shows I can see. Right. You know? Well, I get that. I do. But yeah, I think now because I have seen, I've seen a lot of artists too. So now I want to try to limit it to the ones that I haven't seen or the ones that I really, just the really, like I said, like Dead & Company, anytime they come around, I, I want to go see that. Yeah. It's special to me. Um, I hate to pay the price, but I do want to go to the show. And anyone that I haven't seen yet, that's why I was really disappointed to miss the Elton John show. Now, were you tempted to go up to uh, Hampton for Dead & Company? Because they just played yeah. there. Yes, and they're doing San Francisco New Year's Eve. And yeah. I was just out, and then I saw, I was like, well, you know, when I was planning that trip, I said, well, I can go now, or I can wait for New Year's <laughs> Eve with the dead. And I, I was tempted, but I went ahead and, because I went to that Panther game, as we shouldn't talk about it all. It was a horrible game. I went to that as well. So it was a big, big trip for me, big trip. <laughs> no, I got because I have friends out there, because I used to be in the software industry. A bunch of my friends moved out west. So I have friends out there, and I got to go out there and visit them quite a bit. I got to go to a show at uh, Ram Civic Auditorium. That's a cool place. So where is that? It's, it's right, yeah, San Francisco. It's right downtown, named after Bill Graham. Gotcha. It's, and it's the former, um, it's like a former union hall. Oh. It is so cool. Very, wow. very cool venue. So, like, you walk in, and it's like going into... You're in a kind of like classy theater, like Blumenthal or something. Sure. But then there's, because it used to be a hall, there's like meeting rooms and stuff. So we went to go see uh, Street Cheese Incident there for New Year's Eve. Me and my buddy, and, and like you walk downstairs, and they had a whole room set up like a casbah. So like we were sitting on pillows, like hanging out. You know, they just took one of the meeting rooms and turned in and set up like this casbah. It's like a hookah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the coolest thing. I'm like, what a cool place to see So it's like, it's set up like a, like my phone, like a rectangle. But then on the sides, there's upper levels. You know, but it's like, a, but the, it wasn't built for a theater. So this, those seats up high face each other. Gotcha. You know, so it's not like you're, you're at the Blue Mathal where you're angled yeah. towards the stage. Right. Yeah. But we were down on the floor, so I mean, it was right. a blast. Noodle fest, just noodling, right? Oh my god, it was awesome. <laughs> it was great because they, they used to do themes for New Year's Eve. So that year it was time traveling. And I dressed as an old Raiders fan. I wore like a Ken Stabler jersey from like the 70s because I'm not a dress up costume guy, so I made it pretty easy. Right. And my buddy Tuck, I went to the show with, dressed as himself. <laughs> and so we're in line, we're meeting all these kids stoned off their asses and tripping and stuff. And my buddy Tuck at the time kind of had this long, bushy hair and goatee and stuff. And they're like, dude, who are you dressed as? Are you like some famous poet or a writer or something? He's like, and he goes, I'm my future self. <laughs> future self. Whoa, that's deep, man. That's so deep. I love it. Yeah. I'll have to I, check out that venue. I don't even, I'm not even familiar with it. Yeah. The uh, fish plays of Dead Planet. You know, the incarnations of the dead. Right. But I love traveling for shows. I got into that probably like in my 40s where I'd like get on a plane and go to a show. Oh, yeah. Well, back in the day, we would just drive to them. You know, it was the road trip to the show. Yeah. You know, to go see the dead. Or, you know, I saw fish back in like 93 in Boone. And I'm pretty sure it was in a gymnasium. <laughs> I know it was in a gymnasium. I was sitting on bleachers. Where the, it was, I think it was a gymnasium in App State yeah. campus. 
See, I didn't get into them. Long until, time ago. It was an interesting re- venue. Until because they used because Amherst is total hippie town, and UMass is a big hippie school. So I got into the dead my junior year of college. Fish came and played Smith College, which was in the town next door. My senior year, and my buddy, my buddy who got me in the dead, is like, dude, we're going to see this band Fish, and I'm like, I'm like, what are they like? And he told me, and I'm like, no. No, they're like dead ripoff. I'm not going. And now I've seen over 30 fish shows. But the funny thing was, he goes, all right. He goes, well, we're going to this party. You know, in college and like before the internet, it was the blue house on this street or the red house on that street. And he goes, we're going to be on the blue. We're going to be at the blue house afterwards. He's like, come by like around midnight. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> the after party was incredible. <laughs> but I was like, shit, I should have gone to see fish. <laughs> should have gone. What's so funny about that year, though, 93, going to see the dead fish and i came to charlotte so when i grew up in virginia i was living in virginia we drove to charlotte to what is now pnc back then was blockbuster to see lollapalooza 93 which was pearl jam sound garden chili peppers ice cube a jesus and mary chain it was a great great show <laughs> so i totally screwed two of my buddies on that one they played in boston like in the early 90s, or no, late 80s, they opened up like a PNC south of Boston, about a half hour south of Boston. So Lola Palooza came, and we used to go to all these concerts all the time, and we were done with college, so like we had a little bit of money. So I'm like, all right, dudes, I'll, I'll get the tickets for Lola Palooza. And by the time I went to buy them, they were sold out. <laughs> I totally missed the on sale day, but I told them I had the tickets. <laughs> I already got it. So there was a couple. So there was a couple of ticket scalper agencies in Springfield, and I'm like, all right, I'll just go get the tickets. The tickets were like 150 bucks. Yeah, there was some stupid amount of money. So like literally the night before the concert, I had to tell my buddies we didn't have tickets. Heartbreaking. Oh, one of what my a buddy, heartbreaker. One of my buddies to this day will bring it up. <laughs> that they, sure. that we missed that show. <laughs> that was a big show. I'm telling you, that was special. It was fun. So fun. Uh, because and, uh, because of Ice Cube being on on, uh, on the bill, every band at the show did a version of F the Police. Everyone? Every single one of them wow. did a version of it. And so that made it really interesting. Did you see that movie? Did you see the NWA movie? I didn't see it. No. It was pretty good because I was a big NWA fan. When I, came no. out. I went through a big rap phase in college. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, not, not, yeah. I, don't know, I haven't watched that yet. Yeah. I'm into the rock docs, but I missed that one. So. All right. All right. Well, we're going long. Well, you know, Tools, I told you, know, we could talk about this stuff all day. So, we could. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And I've actually been to the show with Tools before, so I don't know. We've done this before. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We've been to the shows together. So one of the, one of the things one of my friends suggested is that I do the podcast live from the show. And I keep meaning to do that, and I haven't done it. Like, not like... Broadcast the band, but like talk right, yeah, before, before and after the show. Before and after, yeah, that's a good idea. You should do that. Yeah, especially before, because like you're all pumped. Everybody's up. all hyped. Yeah, yeah. You're ready, ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if it's a good show, you're wiped out afterwards. Uh, yeah, yeah. I definitely want to do it beforehand when you're all jazzed up. So I just saw today one of the bands that we went to go see together was uh, Nathaniel Ratcliffe. Yeah, Night Swiss. He's doing a solo album and a solo tour. Oh really? They're not coming to Charlotte. I think he might be doing Nashville. What do you think that's going to be like? Why? Well, I don't know. I didn't even know that. No, so I, 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 know I literally just it. saw it today. Hmm. Isn't that odd to you? Yeah, that, such a good band. band together was such awesome. a good band. I wonder yeah. what the, it's going to sound like. Because if you're going to sound 
if it's going to sound the same, like why, why do the it? band? So it's going to have to be something different. I don't know. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Yeah. I'm not to look into that. I got to see. Thanks to my friend Julie. My friend Julie used to be the marketing manager at uh, Boston's version of the Belt. It was Wang Theater. And she got me tickets to see Eddie Vedder when he did the uh, ukulele tour. That was awesome. Oh, I <laughs> that was so special because it was full Eddie on rambling and telling stories. Oh, I love it. You know? That's great because I'm always like always love Eddie Vedder. Yeah. Well, woman doesn't. <laughs> yeah, well, woman. I mean, come on. Oh my God. <laughs> Wanted to marry him in the nineties. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the questions that we tried to ask everybody, but I forgot to ask Doug last show was favorite kind of show: indoor or outdoor? Indoor. Indoor. So if you do an indoor show, is it an arena, a theater, or a club? Either a club or a theater. Not an arena. Nah, that's the, 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 the bottom of the list. <laughs> Definitely the bottom of the list. So I will say, a really, really cool theater, really cool arena, and it has great sound, Madison Square Garden. It's on the list. I know, because you mentioned, I think yeah. you talked about going to see that on John. Yes, because yeah. I've never been there, and it's not a huge arena. Yeah. It's not huge, right? Yeah. So that's, that's definitely And I, I got to give my friend Julie props again, because her theater was owned by Madison Square Garden Group. So a couple of years, she got me fish tickets at Madison Square Garden. They were good. They were good seats. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was that was special. I got to see a them good there. Time. Okay, so indoor outdoor did theater. We talked about. Do you record at shows? Do you use your phone? Okay. I do like to capture certain moments. Of course, if it's a, if it's a song that I like, you want to get some. But you know, like I will say. Going to that Tour show, that was a phone-free show. I'm so glad you brought this the up. The <laughs> only phone-free show that I've ever been to, and it was amazing. It was amazing. It's like, put your phones down, people, enjoy the show. But I do, of course, if I get in there and they play something that I really like, one of my favorites, I think I want to record a little bit. You know, you got to have something for the gram. But don't watch the phone. Don't, don't watch the show through your phone. When I was at the Fillmore, I noticed that out west, the crowd was completely different. People did not have their phones up. Everyone oh, was enjoying the show. There's a huge difference between east and west. Yeah, shows. everyone was They're enjoying totally... the show. People were not watching it through their phones. It was very different. Yeah. And, it, and when uh, the Dragon Tours came here, which, by the way, was like one of the best shows I've ever seen in my entire life. So amazing, like mind blowingly good. They are just so tight. Such an amazing rock band. Like, yeah. you, you got to see it. And in that room, it was so good. And everyone was so disappointed when they said, fun free show. It was, it was a big deal. That's well publicized, though. But getting in there, and, and I was actually talking to the people around me, you know, everyone was, you know, sharing stories and having yeah. a good time. And then the band plays, and it's just a pure musical experience because you're focused on the band. You're not focused on, like, oh, can I post this on Instagram or whatever. Yeah. Like, you're just enjoying the music. It was really great. It was great. So... I told you this before, but I'll share it for the audience. I was at the famous Jack White show, Solo, when he uh, walked out after 40, 45 minutes at Radio City. So, me and my, Julie got us those tickets. Thanks again, Julie. <laughs> so, we were about 12, 15 rows back at Radio City. It was an expensive show. It was like 75, 85 bucks. It was, remember when he was touring with the two different bands? Right. He did that, those albums. So, he comes out. And after 15, 20 minutes, a lot of people were recording. I took my nephew, and my nephew took a couple pictures. 
and we definitely partied a lot before the show. And uh, he said something, you know, like, hey, put the phones down, you know, enjoy the shows. You know, and people kept doing stuff. And so after another song, you know, a half hour in, he said it again. 45, 40, 45 minutes, he finished the song, kind of like threw his guitar down and stomped off stage. And the band followed. And like, I'd seen White Stripes prior, and they only did like 90 minutes. Right. You know, because all their songs are two, three minutes exactly. long, you know, so they don't play forever. So I'm like, well, that's really early, you know, to come up for an encore. But one of the times I saw White Stripes, they did like 45 minute encore, you know. So I was like, well, this isn't so weird. So everybody kind of was quiet for a bit, then started doing the clapping, you know, for an encore. Nothing, nothing. So, then every, so some people started to boo. You know, it was New York City. They got an attitude. And so me and my nephew were like, what the fuck? You know, like, we were all excited because he loves Jack White like I do. And so it was about a half hour in, and they lowered the curtain. Radio City Music Hall. Right. So we're all like, so people started doing the Seven Army chant. <laughs> nothing. Nothing's happening. They turn the lights on. People are still chanting and stuff. Finally, they made an announcement. Jack White's not coming back. The show is over. Please leave. Yeah. People went deep shit. Like, I thought there was going to be a full-on riot. <laughs> so, so a friend of mine saw him in Charlottesville years later. He did the same thing. And he walked off on that. But, uh, well, he's put a stop to it. Now he's like, yeah. you can't even bring them in the show. I, I totally respect that. And I would I rather like do that too. than have him leave pissed off. Exactly. So, so it's the running joke of my nephew and I that he drove Jack White to leave stage because <laughs> he took a couple pictures. <laughs> Look at what you did. Put your phone away. Uh, it, it really it, it does. It makes a difference. It was really cool. I wanted to capture it so bad because they were so good. You're like, you're like, oh, I want to remember this. I want to capture this. But just, you know, just sit back and enjoy it. Now, what was the song you sang? You told me you sang, you sang a song, like piano that was right oh, by you. Uh, you don't understand me. Yeah. It, yeah. And he played keys. It was like, right the bass. It was very awesome. Got a little bit clumped. It was pretty, pretty cool. I pretty always cool. close the show with a song, so I'll plug that into the end of the podcast. There you go. Yeah. That's a good one. All right. And then, do you go in for the opener? It depends. Sometimes. Not always. Depends on who it is. I've, I've had a lot of good luck going in. Sometimes it's total clunkers. Right. Yeah. But well, when we went to the Raylan Montaigne at Nico Case, so we had to see it. Like, oh, I preferred actually Nico Case. Like, yeah. she's great. I've yeah. always liked her. Raylan Montaigne was good. But yeah, Lucas Nelson was amazing. That before was so good. <laughs> and he hasn't been back. He was, oh, that was so fun. High energy, yeah. really good time. Really yeah. good time. Uh, so the opener, and then one artist, dead or alive, that you haven't seen. Who is it? Um, that's, it's hard to pick one that I haven't seen, dead or alive. It's like you almost feel obligated to say someone that is dead. <laughs> you don't have to. I know, right? But it's like, keep thinking, well, I would have to say, like, original Beatles or original Zeppelin, you know? Like, you have to say something like that. Though I did get to see uh, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page play together. That's uh, not the same, but that's pretty damn good. I've seen Robert Plant. I haven't seen Saw them on the Page and Plant tour. That was, like, 94. That was pretty great, pretty great. Um, Oh, I don't know. That is a really hard one to just pinpoint one artist that I've never seen. But, you know, I always regret never seeing The Stones and Bruce Springsteen. I haven't seen either of those. Right. I really want to see those guys. So, 
the good lord or whoever comes down and says you can only see one concert the rest of your life one concert one show i go with a festival I go, with the dead. go with? I go with the dead, or like the, dead? the version of the dead. There have been so many versions of the dead. They have set, they can play one song 50 different ways. If I'm going to have to listen to one thing, like one event for the rest of my life, it would be the, the dead, yeah. Now, have you ever seen a bad dead show? Well, that last year, I mean, it wasn't Jerry's best work. You know? We'd never right? say it was bad. But it wasn't his best work, you know. A friend of mine swears that, remember they did a Dylan and Dead tour? That's what I saw, that, I saw Dylan, well, I saw Dylan open, he opened for them. Yeah, so saw, yeah. my buddy saw that tour and said it was literally the worst concert he's ever seen. I see, I and he's say, a huge dead. I would never say it was bad, but yeah, no, there were definitely I've seen moments. Have, I, I've seen him have bad moments. Yeah, yeah they get lost, there, there were some bad moments. I never moments. saw a bad show. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say a bad, like, overall show. No, like, they might hit a few sour notes, Jerry sound bad or something, but, like, no, you can never say the whole show. Yeah. All right, well, awesome. We went way over, but I hope, hope you didn't mind. <laughs> I think it went awesome. <laughs> well, very well. We can do this all night. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Of course. Anytime, tools. Awesome. We'll have to have you on for a group discussion. We'll do it. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. I think that was a great segment with Lisa, and I uh, want to thank her again for coming on. We ran longer than we do with the other guests, but uh, we were having such a great conversation and kept getting into different things. I, I just thought it was great. So uh, she says she'll be back, so hopefully we can... Um, get around again and have a, a group discussion, which is something I haven't gotten to do yet. And I'm really looking forward to doing, I got some good topics. I want to bat around with people. So, um, let's get on, uh, to the rest of episode eight, I'm going on the show with tools where we do our usual stuff. Uh, what I saw in the last month and what's, uh, coming to town in the next month in, uh, Charlotte. So didn't see a ton of shows, but saw really, really good stuff. And, uh, I was really, really happy with um, the shows I saw. So let's uh, dive into it. I saw uh, Marty Stewart was the first show of the month. That was at uh, McGloin Theater uh, in uptown, downtown Charlotte, uh, whichever you want to call it. And uh, it was my first time there. Really cool uh, little theater. It's set up like an old church. From what I could tell, no bad uh, no bad seats in the house. We were towards the back of the first level and could see and, and hear everything great. I went up there with uh, my friends, the Benfields. Uh, they'd seen Marty Stewart a couple times before at uh, Merlefest, and I'd never seen him. So so we were uh, excited to go. We had a good dinner before at uh, Open Kitchen, my first time going there. Uh, Charlotte Staple. And um, got up there in time for the show, and Marty Stewart was fabulous. If um, you don't know him, he's kind of a, a legend in the country in bluegrass fields. He was featured heavily as a commentator. And as a subject in uh, Ken Burns' country documentary that aired on PBS recently. And, um, you know, been in the industry forever, played in Johnny Cash's band for a long time, and then went out on his own and has created all sorts of great music. And I can tell you after seeing him, he's still performing at a really high level, and his band was great. It was such a good evening of music. Uh, I think they were inspired by their surroundings and came out and uh, did a gospel tune, a cappella, the four guys in the band. And it was just beautiful. And it was such a on-point way to start the show. So I think uh, immediately we knew uh, we were in for a treat, which was great. And uh, I listened to quite a bit before the show, his latest album, Way Out West. 
And I really enjoyed that. And of course he played quite a bit off of that, which was cool. And, uh, he did some covers and some traditional tunes. He did a cover of Orange Blossom Special and uh, told a great great story about uh, meeting the songwriter of that song when he was a young musician and just starting a tour and stuff. And uh, it was just a great evening. All the guys in the band were great. He had a guitarist with him. You know, Marty was on mandolin and guitar all night. He had a bass player that played uh, stand-up and electric bass and then a drummer. And it really had like a jazz show feel to it at several times because he really let the guys in the band, you know, get their solos and, and get the spotlight. And he let each guy sing a song, which, you know, you don't see that every day. But uh, they were just a great band. They played for two hours. They were just having a blast up there. You could you could tell how much they love it. And the crowd loved it. The crowd was nuts for them. Um, it seemed like I was one of the few people that I hadn't seen before because people definitely knew the songs and, and were, you know, hooting and hollering and having a good time. But um couple of tunes oh and then he ended the show with the second half of the show is really he highlighted highlighted his album the pilgrim which he recorded back in the 90s and he told a great story about it how he was down to the last record in his record deal and it was at the time where garth brooks and schneid twain had blown up and country was huge and his records weren't selling like they used to and he kind of knew he had to come up with a big album if he was going to get another contract and he decided that he was going to go true to his roots and make an album he really believed in and have it sound the way he wanted to sound and, and all that. And he came up with this album, The Pilgrim, uh, which he said was his most critically acclaimed album. And the reason why he focused on it so much that night was he was, uh, he's re-releasing it, you know, with some cuts that didn't make, make the album the first go around, you know, added in the way um, artists do that. But it was great. He based the whole album on this couple uh, from his hometown in Mississippi, Rita and Norman. And of course they were characters and, and uh, there was a third, third band involved, uh, the Pilgrim, who was uh, new to town and worked with uh, Rita. And he was kind of the third leg in uh, Rita Norman's uh, uh, chair you know, of life. And uh, it was some really beautiful songs in there, some really tragic songs. And just beautiful, beautifully written. And it was really funny. You tell how much Marty was enjoying playing it. And at the end, he goes, yep. <laughs> he goes, I got great reviews. Alan didn't sell. He goes, and I lost my record contract. He goes, but it wasn't the end of the world because he put out something he was so proud of. And uh, he told this really funny story about um, being on tour and stopping in a truck stop, uh, you know, to refuel the bus and all that. And he gets out and and there was a crow sitting on top of a telephone, um, you know, pole and the crow was squawking away. So he started talking to the crow and he's like, I love crows. He goes, they're always so noisy and so proud. And, you know, they're, they're always up to something. And he goes, and they, he goes, and they dress just like Johnny Cash. They're always in black. <laughs> I just thought that was the coolest line. And it's kind of showed his humor and, you know, what a good storyteller he was and stuff. But uh, it was just a great evening. And we walked out of the show, the three of us, and we're like, man, that was awesome. He was just fantastic. And uh, it was a really, really good night. And uh, once again, as I think I've said every every podcast, but uh, why I love live music so much. And um, then backed it up the next night, the Saturday night, uh, with a trip up to Noto with my buddy Aaron. And we went to Evening Muse to see um, Downtown Abbey and the Echoes who we'd seen this summer at uh, the Whitewater Center as part of that Confluence Festival. And Downtown Abbey was as good, if not better, than they were at the Whitewater Center. Young band out of Charlotte, funk band, all super talented. And they just brought it. They were awesome. Danced all night. Had a great time. Hour and a half, um, hour, 45-minute show. 
you could tell they had a bunch of their friends in the audience and it was a Halloween weekend show and they all dressed like um, Mario Brothers characters. I'm not a video game person, but Aaron is. So Aaron was, was pretty entertained by that. And then um, during the show, our friends, uh, Mike and Kim came in with another couple. So I got to hang out with them and enjoy the show with them. So it was a really cool night up to um, Noda and Aaron hadn't been to Evening Muse before and he really liked it, uh, which was cool. It's a, as I said before on the show, it's a small venue, you know, kind of a... Um, storefront kind of place on, on one of the corners in Noda. So a real small venue. So it's, you know, real intimate and you're up close with the band and stuff. And for that kind of show, it, it was just a blast. It was a really, really fun evening. And, um, definitely check out, if you're into funk, check out, um, uh, downtown Abbey online. And one of the songs, um, I wanted to, um, point out, uh, to them was I can only love uh, myself. So see if you can find that one online because that was that was a really cool tune they played that night. And then uh, after that, and I another thing I talk about on the show and the reason why I do the podcast is you know turn people onto music and hopefully people turn me onto stuff and you know get this circular uh, sharing kind of thing going. And um, my buddy Adam Satriano, who lives up in Boston, we work together in Connecticut, and uh, we went to a bunch of shows together and share a lot of the same music tastes and and adam's a great one to shoot me a text and uh, tell me about some band I, sh- I should go see and he did it this time and told me about kitchen dwellers he said a bluegrass band out of montana he said they're coming to charlotte you should go see them and i was like all right cool and he goes they're playing on november 8th and i it was pretty certain i had something going on the 8th and checked the calendar on my phone which is my fun calendar and it showed infamous spring testers so i'm like oh i got another show you know it's kind of a bummer so I looked it up online, you know, the Dweller site to see where they were playing. They were opening for Infamous String Dusters. So I, it was awesome. And I fired a text right back to Adam. I go, dude, they're opening for Infamous String Dusters. So I'm going to see them. And uh, Adam, as usual, uh, pointed me in the exact right direction. I got there on time for him. Uh, neighborhood Theater was packed that night, and uh, which I haven't seen in a while. So that was really cool. But um, they were awesome. They probably did 45 minutes to an hour. I'm remembering correctly, um, younger guys in the band, very jammy version of bluegrass, um, you know, kind of like in that green sky bluegrass vein, uh, um, and they were just a blast. I had so much fun and can't wait to see them again. And they've already announced a show. They're coming back to Charlotte, uh, in early 2020. I want to say January or February, they're coming to, um, free range brewing. So I'll definitely get back out there to see them and hopefully, um, get some people to go with me and um uh then uh oh infamous one of the guys in infamous string dusters produced uh their album which they just released that day so two of the guys from string dusters sat in with them and played some tunes which was fantastic and uh they were they were just uh, a lot of fun a couple of songs i wanted to point out by them was a song called crawl away and then another one don't worry i'm fine and they did a great cover of um the old del shannon song runaway and um, as I, I probably do it every month, I point out some bluegrass band that did a rock song or something outside their genre, but I'm a sucker for those, but it, it was really good. And then String Dusters came out and they played two sets, uh, which I haven't seen them do before, but uh, they totally pulled it off. Probably played a couple hours you know, between the two sets and just they're all so talented, you know, and good singers and, and energy. They totally bring like a rock vibe to the show and and uh they just put out they're just fantastic and they write beautiful songs and they do need covers and stuff and it was cool uh during their set i ran into a couple guys i used to work with 
and uh, Andrew and Jay and got to catch up with them and actually hung out with Jay for the second set of the show. And Jay lives in Noda and hadn't been in the neighborhood before and hadn't seen a um, bluegrass show before and was having the time of his life. So <laughs> that was really cool to say. So uh, might be able to recruit Jay to some uh, future shows. Um, but a couple of the songs um, that String Dusters played uh, that uh, really that I really liked were... Um, uh, I'm getting ready. Uh, where she sleeps is where I call home, which was a beautiful song. And then they did a couple of covers I love. They did um, uh, "American Girl" by Tom Petty, one of my all-time favorites. And then they did uh, "Don't Think Twice, It's All Right," which is among many, many favorite Dylan songs I have. That's that's probably a top five one. So, uh, you know, dancing away to that one and, and singing along. So that was. Um, really fun, really, really great evening for neighborhood. And I was psyched to see it. So, um, packed up there. If anything, it might've been a little oversold. They, they had a lot of people in there, but, um, it's good to see a lot of music and support, especially a band, uh, as good as the string dusters. And then the last show I saw was, um, grass is dead at free range brewing. Uh, I hadn't been to a show at free range brewing before. Um, they're starting to book some more shows. I think they're partnering with max music. Who's a local promoter to get shows in there. Um, the, the show space was cool. It's, you know, just in the kind of typical brewery setup. It's up in Noda and, uh, the, where they had the band play was like in their warehouse kind of garage area. And, uh, it was cool. They, they drew a really, um, you know, pretty good crowd for a Thursday night, you know, of, uh, deadheads and bluegrass fans and people were into it and dancing and, and singing along to the bigger tunes and stuff. But, um, talented band really enjoyed them. Um, they did a bunch of my favorites. They opened with they they love each other, uh, which isn't you know probably one of the more popular dead songs, but one I love. So I was I was like, oh, this is a good way to start the show. And they played uh, New Minglewood Blues. They played New Speedway Boogie. They played Not Fade Away. They played Alabama Getaway. It was uh, it was a fun night. <laughs> the only thing I was talking to a couple of my friends that are Deadheads, and and before we recorded um, Lisa's segment. I was talking to her about it and I said, man, you know, saw this bluegrass band that played the dead. And, and I said, they were a lot of fun. I said, but like two thirds of the way through the show, I was like, man, something's missing, you know, and it wasn't the song selection. They were playing good songs and, you know, they were talented musicians and it wasn't the jams or anything like that. I'm like, man, something's missing, you know, and I couldn't think about it about a song or two later. And I'm like, there's no drums, you know, cause it's a bluegrass band. So they don't, uh, you know, so they don't have the drums with them and the dead's got two drummers. <laughs> so, that's definitely, uh, it took me a, a couple of songs to figure it out, but it, they, uh, were definitely missing because I've seen bluegrass bands, you know, play dead songs before, but not like an entire set of it. So, um, that's, uh, it took me a bit. I was a little slow on the uptake that night, but, uh, but I did figure it out and, and saw somebody I used to work with there as well. And, and, uh, she came up, said hi to me, um, Dashe, and it was cool to catch up with her. So it was, um, good month. Awesome, awesome shows wide heavy on bluegrass but um you know wide mix like i saw a legendary performer saw an up-and-coming funk band saw an, uh, another up-and-coming band you know with the blue with the uh kitchen dwellers and saw a grammy winning band with infamous string dusters and then a cover band so it was a great mix of stuff and um enjoyed all of them and, and had a great time at each of the shows so so that's what's um important what i uh love to do as you can tell if i'm doing a podcast about live music <laughs> so um what is coming up this month um so i'm going i'm recording this on the 20th so we're going from the 
November 20th going forward into December. And, and as you can kind of figure out with the holidays coming around, there's not a ton of shows uh, as there has been the last couple of months. But um, we do have definitely have stuff to um, to point out. Uh, coming up first, I'll go to is um, Papadocio, who's um, kind of electronic jam band kind of deal. They're playing Visual Light Theater this weekend, uh, both Friday night and Saturday night. Um, so I'm sure they'll they'll get big crowds out there for that. Also on the 22nd on Friday night, uh, Sam Birchfield is playing Evening Muse. Is um, uh, saw them this summer as part of River Jam at uh, Whitewater Center, and he put on a fun show. So uh, he'll be at Evening Muse. And then on uh, November uh, 30th, uh, a big Charlotte band. Uh, they're not playing as much as they used to, but people in Charlotte love them. Uh, band Simplified, they're playing uh, Visual Light. And I know some of my fr- uh, friends are friends with the guys in that band. So hopefully uh, a crew um, gets together for that show and we can go up and see them. They always, they always play uh, really fun shows and people are really into them here in Charlotte. And, um, ooh, I skipped over. On uh, November 26th, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, B.J. Burnham, who's the uh, front man for American Aquarium, a uh, great band I love here in North Carolina. Um, he's playing a solo show at Evening News. I think that one's sold out, though. But um, that'll, that'll definitely be a special evening. And then going into December, we got uh, December 4th, uh, a couple bands playing at Neighborhood Theater, Main Squeeze and Travers Brothership. And Travers Brothership, I just saw a month or two ago at, at Neighborhood. So they're going to be back there, band out of Asheville, really fun. And um, then after that, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant uh, coming up. But on December 6th, uh, here in town at the Fillmore's Incubus, you know, big band from the 90s and and uh, Terra Millennium, and they're still touring and, and they're playing Fillmore. And I know they get played a ton on, on uh, the Modern Rock Station, which is one of my pet peeves with the modern rock station, I swear it's their ongoing duty to keep incubus and offspring and a few other of those bands alive. <laughs> and it's like your modern rock. <laughs> You're playing bands from 20 years ago, but Hey, they do it. And not that I'm bashing those bands. I like those bands. And I, I saw both of them when they were big, but uh, it's just kind of interesting. And then that weekend. So here's my rant. Uh, Fish who I'm passionate about and love. They're playing three nights down to Charleston at the Coliseum down there. And I don't have tickets to any of them and I'm not happy about it. I love Charleston. I saw them there at that venue a couple of years ago when they played and it's a really cool kind of medium size civic center arena set up. And it's just such a, a great mix and um, tailgated before the show last time. went a really cool vibe down there and cool crowd. And, um, they did mail order like they do for all their shows. They're only doing, I think it's seven, eight show run they're doing in, in uh, end of November and December, you know, along the East coast. But, um, they announced the three shows in Charleston. I was like, awesome. You know, so I wanted to get two of the shows. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to go all three nights and, uh, well, I would go all three nights, but you know, monetary, monetary concerns and stuff like that and responsibility. But I was hoping to get Saturday, Sunday, and they're the last shows of that run. So you see the last show of the run, and you see a Sunday show, which, you know, you never want to miss a Sunday show. And um, I struck out on the mail order, which was a bummer. But then when the sh- tickets went on sale, why I hate Live Nation and Ticketmaster. So you get this arena, it's at least 12,000 seats. Um, so they're playing there three nights. And even after what Fish had on mail order, there's plenty of tickets. 
and I got on there a few minutes and got in the waiting room before it went on sale on a Friday, um, and waiting, waiting. And I got through, I got through probably like two, three minutes after 10 or 11, which time they went on sale. And I kept getting errors when I was trying to, I pulled tickets and then was getting an error when I was trying to complete the sale. And then when finally I got past the error, it was seven minutes after when tickets went on sale, there wasn't one ticket left for any of the three shows. That is horseshit. <laughs> Complete bullshit. You know, there's no way they sold that many tickets in seven minutes. And it's just, what a scam that Ticketmaster and Live Nation are. And, you know, in cahoots with, you know, driving up ticket prices and, and getting tickets on, you know, StubHub and all the secondary sites. And um, it's just horrible. So, and plus those shows I really, really wanted to go to. So let's bring it back to me, <laughs> you know, which was the key thing. So, uh, I'm probably not going cause on StubHub, I think the cheapest night is Friday night and it's all general mission shows. There's no, no seats. So you just go in and pick your seats. But, um, I think the cheapest night might be Friday night and it's 175 and I really don't like to go over a hundred bucks, uh, for a show. So we'll have to see about that. Cause then I have to get a hotel and meals and all that good stuff. So it'd be an expensive, um, deal to go down there for one show, but, uh, hopefully prices come down a little bit, but considering it's the end of the run and cool venue in a cool town, I'm, I'm not expecting it to drop, uh, too much. So any friends out there that are into fish, if you come along a straight ticket that weekend, I will, uh, get, get my ass down there and, and, uh, have a great time at the show. So end of rant, uh, after, <laughs> after that about missing out on fish tickets. And then, uh, December 10th in town, Robert Earl Keene is, um, uh, he's playing the night theater and it's, uh, he does Christmas shows every year and, uh, it's one of his, uh, Christmas shows. He, uh, Benfield's a big fan of him. I've, uh, I've seen him a couple times at the Benfields. And then on, uh, December 11th, uh, Tad Benoit is a great guitarist, um, uh, from uh, Louisiana Cajun blues, blues guy. He's playing McGloin theater. And then also on the 11th, another uh, guitar slinger, Tim Reynolds from the Dave Matthews band. He's bringing his solo band to the neighborhood theater. And then out of all these, well, not all these, cause there's not a ton of shows, but the show I'm definitely not missing in, in December is uh, December 12th, George Porter Jr. Uh, bassist extraordinaire from New Orleans and was in the original meters and the funky meters. And he sat in with a bazillion bands, you know, since he's had his career in the seventies and just great, great player. And, and I've seen him in so many incarnations and in different settings and stuff. And he's great. So he's coming to free range brewing and, uh, I will definitely get up there for that one. Um, he's one of the first shows I saw in Charlotte. He played, um, the, um, and I'm going to, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get the name wrong, but here it is double door in, which is the correct name. For some reason, Killington, Vermont, Wobbly Barn came to my mind, but, uh, he played the double door in, which is still a tragedy that that's not alive and well in Charlotte anymore. But, um, I went up to that show solo. I'd only been in town a little bit and, uh, had a great time at the show and you know, danced and had fun and, and, uh, probably tried to chat up a few women and stuff, but walked out after his encore and, you know, to get my car and, uh, go home. And he was standing out front talking to a few people. So, I went over and said hi, and, and I was like, George, thanks so much for coming down. I've seen you a bunch of times, and that was a great show tonight. I really appreciate it. He's like, oh, thanks, man. He's like, I appreciate you coming out. And I said, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. And he looks at me, he goes, man, I don't know what else to do. He goes, I got to keep doing it. <laughs> I'm guy in his 60s, you know, probably driving along, you know, in a 
small bus or, or even a band and, and uh, playing all these towns. So, so God bless George Porter Jr. And uh, I'll get out there to, um, to see him on uh, the 12th at Free Range Brewing. So that's that. That's what I saw in the last uh, 30 or so days and what's coming up in town. So uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, my my numbers are pre- playing uh, pretty steady as far as listeners. And please uh, turn on whoever you want uh, under the podcast and and have them check it check it check it out. I love seeing numbers bump up and keep any feedback uh, coming. Uh, people have been great about suggesting things for me, and I'm and I'm trying to do my best to um, keep the show improving and and keep uh, adding things on and having guests and, and all that. So um, it's been a lot of fun and I'm really enjoying doing it. So I do uh, truly appreciate everybody that's listening. So that's it for episode eight of uh, going to the show with tools um, and uh, come back in December for episode nine. And um, since Lisa was such a great guest, I gave her the honor of picking the, um, the going out song at the end of the show. And it's going to be by uh, rock and tours. And uh, you don't understand me. So thanks for listening, everybody.